1: What's up, Bruins fans? Mark Albert here, host of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 177, brought to you by betonline.ag. Go to to betonline.ag and use code CLNS50. We're recording on May 3rd, 2020. Hello, YouTube viewers. I keep mentioning YouTube listeners, but I know you guys have eyes and everything. Um, And and for the audio folks, please go to Black and Gold Hockey Podcast and do a search for the YouTube channel, which this will be on too. The new background, thank you to my friend Thomas Nystrom, he's the IT guy here at blackandgoalhockey.com. So much, much appreciated the upgrade. I know this the green screen in the back, is still a little, I, I need to work on it, so but we're getting better. Um, but I, I have two great guests returning to the program this week, and uh, before I want to do that, I do want to mention uh, show sponsor betonline.ag. With currently no NBA, NHL, or Major League Baseball, you might think that there's nothing to bet on. Well, you'd be wrong. Our exclusive partner, betonline.ag, still has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on from the online casino to poker and blackjack. Let BetOnline bring Vegas action to you. Missing the NFL? No problem. BetOnline.ag has live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can wager on. If you're into entertainment betting, you can still bet on Survivor, Big Brother, American Idol, stock prices, and even the weather. All open 24 hours a day and all online. Visit the website and use your mobile device to receive a sweet welcome bonus. And please don't forget to use promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50. Bet online, your online wagering solutions. So, as I mentioned, Now that we get the housekeeping away and paying some of the bills, I have two returning guests that I'm really stoked about. Uh, Chris Blackie is the co-host of the Big Bad Bruins podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Chris underscore Blackie. And also returning is the Bruins Luchador. You can find him on the only TD Garden screen in the building. He is at Luchador on Twitter. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program, guys.
2: Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here.
3: Yeah, thanks for uh, having us on.
1: Yeah, and I uh definitely wanted to get you guys both back into the swing. It, it's it's slow, but uh rock, rocking the uh, Big Bad Ruin's t-shirt as you can see here on the YouTube. I but like. uh, in in the honor of uh of you know, no, well, it's not an honor. It sucks not having hockey, but we do have to keep the show going and we we gathered up some topics uh, and I just wanted to Kick back, have a pink wit, no uh, free ads, you know, with my with my boys and just talk some Bruins, So Let's
2: do it. I'm in.
1: All right. Um, so uh, t- I got to talk about the Big Bad Bruins podcast with uh, Ian, Ian Glendon and Chris Blackie, which obviously is is on today. Uh, Chris, I, I did want to talk about the episode. I'm not sure what number it is. I'm sorry about that. But I do want to talk about your huge opportunity that you had with former NHL player and uh, three-time Stanley Cup champion, Mark Recchi, Can you uh, just elaborate on what you guys uh, talked about with Mark uh, earlier this week?
3: Well, it's a lot of fun getting Mark on. He's a really down-to-earth person. Obviously, his career speaks for himself without, without question. We were trying to get him involved in this conversation about his career, more so with just the Bruins, and I think we accomplished that.
1: Yeah, it was a fantastic program, Looch, Did you? Uh, did you hear that?
2: Oh yeah, they asked my question and everything. I could have asked any question in the world, and I asked the terrible one. That's my style.
1: No, it was so probably they, the <laughs> best. It was probably the best one, honestly.
2: Everybody laughed at it. Do so you know me. you're
1: awesome, Macreci? Do you know you're awesome? <laughs>
2: The funny thing is,
3: he loved that so much he was laughing like crazy about it. He like really it caught him off guard more than anything else because he's thinking, okay, we're gonna get the run-of-the-mill questions, you know, the the mundane, so to speak. And here comes Luchito. What's it like being awesome? And it threw him for a curve right right from the start. But a hell of a nice guy. Um, just a real joy to talk hockey with him and get some backstories like. uh the one with Stall, like I told you, our fair just came just came out of the clear blue. And uh, it was good to, in like his conversation about Yaga with Ian and the comparison with Crosby and Malkin and Mario, and I mean, we had to cover a lot of ground and a short amount of time, even though we weren't on the time limit. So overall, we were both very satisfied with the way the episode came out and we just we try to do something that's a little bit different than the the common show I mean we have a lot of off-the-wall banter as you know from listening to it you know he's got me being 110 at this point but that, that's another story
1: Ian's a psychotic goaltender
3: yeah he is <laughs> so, we just try to give some you know the listeners something different to, to hear and hopefully get uh, more guests in the future, everybody.
1: Yeah, and that's that. That's going to pave the way to get more. Is, is you got to start somewhere. And good on you for reaching out to Mark, and and he was obliged by uh, contacting you back and working it all out. That's really awesome because the, the episode was unbelievable. And to, for me, for myself to get a mention on the program, I mean, I was at work, and it's just you know the the uh, the, the hairs on the back of my neck stood straight up when I when when you met, when Ian mentioned uh, my name with Mark on the other line so it was pretty cool and I appreciate the shout out well
3: you know how I feel about your show and what you guys do and it's totally deserved I mean so for us to do that for you as much as you support it it was you know it's just it's kind of no big deal for us because we're just paying back so to speak but we both we both respect you what you guys do for work on the on this on this podcast and, and your website in general is, you know, you know how I feel.
1: Absolutely, and I appreciate that, man. That's awesome. And it was,
3: and it was funny because right after uh, Luch, Luchador got to his question, he's like, "Oh, thanks for asking him." And hey, Ricky uh, said so, "Yeah, he, he he liked the question." So, like I said, he, he really enjoyed that question.
2: Oh, I love it. Just the fact that he knows about my antics. Now I can die happy. <laughs> right.
3: Well, uh, Laura, I'm glad that we could uh, get that question thrown out for you and he, he answered no problem. So yeah, good times.
2: Awesome. What an uh, interview. What a guy. Yeah. Just un- unreal.
1: Unreal. Um before we get to the questions, I just want to, you know, I just want to reach out and just say you know, we're all doing our thing to, to try our best to stay healthy and stay safe. And I just want to reach out to you guys because you guys always give me the time to talk something uh, about something that keeps me away from the, the, the narrative of the everyday narrative, the groundhog day crap that's going on. So talking bees with you guys on the Twitter and doing this now is so much appreciated, but I, I just want to reach out to you guys and just, you know, hopefully the best, uh, for you and your families uh, throughout this whole ordeal, but um, you know I got your back on that all all the way.
3: Awesome, likewise,
2: likewise.
1: Um, yeah, uh, so let's just jump right into some topics, huh? Let's uh, get a little happy. Uh, earlier this week, uh, actually yesterday, Saturday, Yaroslav Halak signed a one year deal worth two point five million dollars uh, on May second. Uh, he made two point seven during these last two seasons in Boston. Thoughts on Yarrow coming back for one more season? Possibly what does it do to the, um, the development in the crease uh, down in Providence and, and Atlanta? Uh, wh- wh- what are we looking at here?
2: You want to take it, Luchador? Yeah, I'll take it. I love it. I think he has been great. I love the money. That little bit of shaving off will help with uh, next year's uh, cap because <laughs> it's going to be a little lower. Um, I think he's a great backup. I think he pushes Tuka and then when it's his time, he does well. Uh, the season, not this year. Last year, he had a great season. I mean, we've been lucky with backups lately. Hudobin did us well, and now he's doing us well. I'm glad, and I hope it helps with the Tory Krug signing. Chris? Yeah, to me, it's a
3: solid – a solid signing for the Bruins Halak is very one of your better backup goalies. It reminds me of a modern day Reggie and Andy from back in the day. Old school. Yeah. W with the it's nice stuck old school someone who actually remembers remembers <laughs> the old school that to like the An it's like you, you know that but Are you, you calling know, out the
1: old guy too or what? <laughs> <laughs>
3: I should call his call him out as much as he always gives me grief all the time. <laughs> But I love the signing. Now, my question to you is you're way more tuned in with the Providence, well, the Bruins' prospects in general. Do you think this is a way of protecting one of their prospects from the Seattle expansion? Is that even possible?
1: Well, the uh, the whole Seattle thing is happening next next year. So, um, regardless, it, it's it's kind of weird Um the way that whole thing's gonna work out. He signed a one-year deal, so obviously it's next year. Um, but after the summer's over, and by the time Seattle's gonna end up doing their their expansion draft, he could be a UFA at that point. If anybody's yeah. gonna be exposed that you want to do, I would have signed him for a two-year deal mm-hmm. at the same amount of money. That way, you can expose him that that last year of his contract. So. I don't know how this is all going to work out, but the sad part to me is, and and this kills me, and it's just because a lot of the Bruins fans don't get a chance to watch the Providence Bruins, and I'm not saying I I do. I I mean, I have an addiction to it, but um, you really got to pay attention to this team and these players because this is the time that Dan Vladar is, like, really playing well, and I know it's a small sample size from December 1st till the shutdown, but what I saw there was unbelievable, and, and I know it's I know it's small, but that I think that he needs a year. But that makes me nervous because after that he'll be a third year pro. Now, third year pros can can be exposed. It's not about your NHL games. You can I mean even even back when Vegas was happening there was a rumor that they were going to take Malcolm Suvan because he was a third year pro at that period. So there's a lot of variables on this whole freaking Seattle thing that I'm not particularly an expert at, but I could see some significant players going. And if you go by the nine rule, which you go, all right, so you go one goalie, uh, three defense, and five forwards. That still leaves a ton of this roster and you're developing core down and. In, in Providence, exposed to Seattle, so it all remains to be seen, obviously. But I mean, that's kind of my unprofessional, uh, you know, comment on that. I'm not really good at this whole expansion thing because it's not something that happens all the time that's repetitive for me,
3: right? It's pretty complicated. That's why I leave, leave it up to other people who know what's going on with that to deal with it. I'll just read it.
1: Luch, what do you think about the expansion draft in that talk
2: uh i like it i think seattle's gonna work i think seattle needs hockey uh it's a big enough market i just don't like losing players um and, and yeah out of the three of us i'm probably the least smart so i'm definitely waiting for other people to write more about it so i can learn about it but uh is it going to be the same guidelines as uh, the way Vegas did it pretty much? Or?
1: Yeah, I believe it is the same.
2: All right. So certain amount of total players or a certain amount from each right. uh, line. It's going to be tough. And then, I don't know. I wish Vegas took Subban way back in the day. I know that. I just didn't <laughs> want to interrupt you.
1: No
4: oh, problem.
2: God. Um, I'm into it. It's another stadium for me to act wild at. I just uh hope they don't take anybody I like too much. You know, you can only protect so many people. Well I mean, who did we lose to Vegas? Colin Miller. You didn't miss that too much. Oh, I did. Oh yeah, I liked Kevin Miller. I wish he didn't get injured. It was one yeah. of the Millers was going. Yeah. And I preferred Kevin. This was before we knew he was getting injured all the
1: time. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. This you know before he had the, he was he was uh the second heir to McGlass.
2: so uh you know i i I wasn't too uh mad with who they got last time so we'll wait and see what happens uh
1: yeah so good deal um it does i mean I, i thought for sure uh he was gonna want a lot hell of a lot more than that um, and, and I thought for sure that he was just going to wait to the open market because his agent is Alan Walsh and Alan's been one of those types of agents that likes to go right to the end and, and force the hand of the, the organization to, to make a move. And, and more or less, it's a drastic one because he's looking at probably like 10 or 15% of that contract that's going to go in his pocket as an agent. So, uh, it's all about business. I get it, but, um, I'm, I'm kind of thrilled that this, he, these are the types of things that Don Sweeney's been a master at lately. I mean he just he, he looks at those deals and just says, "Listen, we have a winning culture here, and if you want to stay here and try to win, you have to do it under the uh, the cap restraints, and you have to work with me so if you need somebody like a right winger, they should be going out and getting a right winger to help out on the Krejci line, even though Krejci's only going to be around one year. Sorry, Chris. I know you're
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but but, you know, it's, it's, you still have to address certain moves. You can't I, – I wouldn't want to be a general manager in today's game and live up to that cap all the time without having options like that. You know, if, if you see a culture in Boston, which is not going away, I think that a lot more players are going to want to play here but work with the team to win on a, on a consecutive basis. What do you think, Chris? Great G forever. That's what I think. <laughs> I love it.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're going to have a lot of question marks coming up here in the near future. So, Sweety might be the one of the best GMs in hockey at re-signing his own players.
1: Oh, I agree. I absolutely Especially agree.
3: Especially at the numbers. Like, Asenak obviously get way more than he got. Bergeron, Marshawn. And I think that's the threshold where they don't want people to go over. Krejci's also over right now. Rask is over, but those deals are done prior to dawn. So you can't really hang that on him. Right. Krug's going to be the interesting one right now. What What's he end up at? Does he come back? He sounds like he wants to come back. He's eager, but I think he wants to get
1: rightfully paid at the same time. And um, as and he that, as he should. For sure. He deserves it. You know, he, he deserved walking on that market and getting eight, nine. I, I don't have a problem with giving a 60, 70 point defenseman uh, those, those types of numbers. But, you know, if he wants to stay and, he, you know, doesn't want to rename his dog cause it's Fenway, uh, you know, take, take the discount, you know, everybody else is doing it. They're setting the standards. I think, you know, if Tory wants to win and, and be a part of this for the long term, I think that he should too. But he also has the right as a human being and a, and a, and a member of the working society to go, out on the three-agent market and see what he can get. Uh, I'm not sure who his agent is, but in my past experience, um, it's been somebody pretty new. So uh, not like Alan Walsh or, or, or anybody else. So I'm not really sure how much they're going to be pushing on their end uh, as much as Don is going to be to, to embed that. You know, if you want to win, you got to take a, a, a little bit of a cut so we can make things happen, not just for one season, but with the longevity of, of most of these guys' career.
3: Well, it's funny because all the naysayers I always sit and say he's too small. That's the biggest knock on crew. But to those naysayers, I say when Raymond J. Bork talks to you in high regard for your defensive play, you pay attention.
1: Yeah, man. He said – I mean, Ray Bork went out on, on record and said that – Tori Krug is one of the—I don't know if he said a number—but best defenseman in the league right now. That—that that, I mean, right there, you think, "Oh, Jesus Ray, I love you. I love your insight and your knowledge into defensemen." But don't jack the price up. <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> a not, downfall of that. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, Ray Ray's just got so much talent. He he did so much good in this city and. And well, by far my favorite defenseman, I mean, anything that I have to do with Twitter, um, Instagram, anything, it's got a 77 in it because I, I you know, as, as a, as a former goaltender, you respect the guys in front of you like that and the way he worked and continued to grind under some certain situations that, you know, a management were allowing for so many years. This is pre-salary cap folks for the uh, younger folk. Um, you know, it's just the restraints that he was under as a, as a player and a leader and so on. So, and obviously he, you know, wanted to win and, and took it elsewhere to, to make it happen. So um, if he's talking about a certain somebody, then this, you know, I, I think Tory's a good defenseman You know, and the the balance between what you're talking about, Chris, is, is him being smaller and so on is, all right, he's a smaller defense and he's mobile. He can get out of his own quickly. He makes fast decisions, but, when everybody's in the big bad Bruins, you know, mentality all the time, and they're like, "Oh, we need, we need Adam McQuaid, we need this and that." Well, you know what your yearly points are from that guy? Twenty. Not, you know what not I mean. To
2: mention, so, sorry to cut in, but I was at Game One of the Finals versus the Blues, and I saw that no helmet hit live. <laughs> I don't want to hear anybody ever say anything about his size again. That was probably the last no helmet hit the NHL will ever see.
1: Dating back it, to Craig McTavish. I, I've never. I, right. I,
2: I've never heard the building that loud. He can he can carry his own when he's mad. He's just not. He doesn't play angry all the time.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely, and that's uh, so much validity to what you just said, and and what kind of defenseman he can be when he wants to be in your face and 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 play that type of style, you know. So, I mean, every play is a gamble. You know, you're going to get what you get out of certain players and you're not going to get what you expect out of everybody else. Everybody is a critic, and I understand that people have opinions, but, geez, I mean, how many – I mean, there's handfuls, just a small handful, actually, of of defensemen that put up numbers like him, especially on the power play. And the the Bruins have always had a decent power play. I mean, I want to say in the past 10 years it's been really good. I'm not judging my numbers or anything like that, but – Um, moving on to another topic, this one's, uh, this one's interesting for me. It is the, um, the NHL is pushing to seriously have a draft next month. And I know I brought this up on the, on last week's episode a little bit, but I didn't really dive into it. And now that I have members that are on the program with me, I'd like to see what your thoughts are, but, um, a June draft, nothing's been set in stone. If anything's going to happen with the, the the rest of the season or playoff because of this COVID crap, and I, I don't know the the absolute logistics of the uh, anything about what's you know. But I, I'm just it's all hearsay right now. But is a June draft good in your eyes without having any standings finalized or any playoff? Um you know, one through eight and, and your wild cards all, and all that crap set. But you want to have a draft before you cancel or or continue the season. Your thoughts on this, Chris?
3: Uh, how can you do it? I, I, it's not feasible. You don't, like you said, you don't know where the standings are. Worry about getting this season done before you worry about what's going down in the future. To me, it doesn't make any sense at all to have a, a June draft where – Hi, what's the pecking order for, um, for the picks? You're just going to put everyone's logo on a hat and, and pick it up, and, this is, and, you know, that's where you do it?
1: Like they did with uh, with Crosby. Right. Back in the day. But they didn't have a season that year, and it was up in the air for everybody to get that pick.
3: And, and you know if they do that, the Bruins aren't going to get a high pick. So they shouldn't anyways right now because they're the best team in the league when they were when we left off. Right. And I wouldn't say it was a runaway, but for a lot of teams, it's not even close.
1: So, Luch, why don't you jump in on this with a with a with a comment before I get to uh, something that Elliot Friedman said?
2: I I, I think uh, what I was thinking wasn't even that. Was more these you're not you're not getting what you paid for in the sense that these college kids can't get ice time. They haven't played for months now. They haven't finished developing, so do you, you you don't know what you're picking at this point, almost. You don't know who's slacking off, who's staying on the grind. Uh, there's a lot, and you don't know how long the stoppage is gonna be. I think we need to finish hockey first and get uh, get the future draft picks, uh, at least on ice, because you can't even go and get any ice anywhere right now.
1: No. good point. No, absolutely not. Um, but I will say this, that this was an interesting, uh, article that came out today from Elliot Friedman, and that was on sportsnet.ca's, uh, Elliot said, it's a big week coming up for the NHL on Monday. There's a conference call with the board of governors to discuss the possibility of an early June draft, likely June 5th or June 6th. Uh, while the hockey people hate the idea, the governors may be more inclined to accept to Gary Batman's stance that this is a necessary move for business reasons. We'll see where it goes. Um, yeah, so I don't know I, it's, I, there's got to be some serious logistics that these guys are thinking about and and how it's going to be beneficial to to everybody. but to go back on what you were talking about, luchador, that isn't a very valid point that. Um, the NHL central scoutings have had guys out doing their due diligence on these younger players that are draft eligible and even not draft eligible, but they're doing their rankings accordingly from the early rankings in, in October, the mid rankings in January, but they never got out to get a final ranking. Um, but, and I know that there's a lot of folks out there that because of what's happening, they always say that the eye test is the best thing. Uh, video is the second best thing when you're dealing with pandemics like this and you have to stay home and still continue to work and still put together a, an extensive, uh, scouting list as the NHL does every season with their, their, um, this, their scouting, um, you know, ranking. So, um, uh, it, you're absolutely right. Um, anything could change with these players, uh, and when you're not working out, uh, and I'm assuming they're working out, but like you, to your point, luchador, it, there's no ice. They're not getting the repetitive ice time. They're not stretching their legs all the time. It's a difference between going in a weight room down in your basement because your parents make millions um, or getting on the ice. It, that's a huge difference. And I get that, and, but. And, um,
2: and you're going to find out who has self-discipline and who doesn't. Cause I mean, for the first time, in the whole kid's life this is the longest time they've gone without anyone telling them what to do yeah the pros at this level just go from what they're doing to summer hockey back to winter hockey. you know they're playing year round
1: this is uh, for me this is a great topic to point something out is like if that happens and it because you haven't been able to get the eye test you've been doing video you've been doing reading and you've been listening to other scouts in the area this is where you don't set huge expectations for um, a, a draft pick that you might select uh, on default freaking terms like that, what could be. Um, you, know, you might keep them in college. You might uh, keep them in the AHL for another year because, like you said, they're going to need that development. They're going to need to continue to get back on the horse from uh, skating on a daily basis. Um, hold everybody back. I mean, even though Alex Lafreniere is a, is going to be a potential first round pick? I don't believe that he should just go right to the NHL with this work stoppage right now. You know, I think that uh, benefits him to go to the, and and the organization to go to uh, play one year of minor pro and then, and then go from there. Just like what the Bruins are doing with Jack Stanika. They did not rush with him. And I appreciate that because you're seeing Jack's game build and build every year every level it's been unbelievable to watch him in Oshawa and then move over to Niagara listening to guys like from Dom Tiano to even our our friend Chris Mancuso chess salad king that guy freaking watched a ton of OHL hockey in Jacksonnica so i mean these guys know what they're talking about but it's just you can't rush him i am not a fan of the of the um uh you know let's get him in the nhl right 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 as he steps away from the podium it's crazy. Thoughts, Chris? I just keep going back
3: to this whole draft situation and where you're going to put the teams. It's just mind-blowing to me. And it's funny you mention uh, discipline, uh, Luchador, when you know why Kegline is uh, anything but. So
0: <laughs> I can tell you we're
3: not
2: skating right now. I know from experience. Oh, I've already gained 20 pounds. It's bad. <laughs> But, yeah, Nicker is
3: – he's pretty much about ready, isn't he, you think?
1: I would say next season. Honest to God, next season, regardless of what happens in here. Obviously, he beat one of those top picks to be a, a black ace and hang around like he did throughout the whole playoffs last year. He stuck around for the whole thing and, and continued to work out. Um, but – yeah, I, I think he's got a permanent spot next year. And with the draft the – I'm sorry, the draft. With the um the salary cap staying at 81.5, I see somebody like um, Joachim Nordstrom not coming back. I see um, – let me see. I'm looking at cap friendly right now. And, I mean, I maybe even if they could buy out Parlin home I mean – it, it it's not much cap space that you're saving. I mean, par makes eight hundred fifty thousand dollars for one more year, but it's that roster spot. And um, apologize for the Harley's that are going by. It's it's hot in this office, so I had to open a window. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, we're under so much cap restraints right now, and I think by by letting go of somebody at eight fifty and creating a roster spot for somebody at nine twenty five, I know it doesn't make much sense. But you're 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 um, adding a roster spot for a Jack who who has the potential to play center and the wing. I don't like the idea of him on the wing. I want him up the middle. But um, yeah, I mean, anything could happen. I mean, if the salary cap was going up to eighty four and eighty eight, like like it was projected, we'd be in like a whirlwind of like an awesomeness right now. But this freaking Corona crap had to come and hit us
3: very frustrating to me because I was two days away from going to the hockey game.
1: I know. I, and I haven't Pro-
3: gone to a Bruins game in over a decade. You want to talk about the kick in the face? That was right March, th-
1: March 13th?
3: Against Toronto,
1: yeah. Against Toronto. Saturday night, right?
3: Saturday night,
1: yeah. Yeah, I was going to meet you guys in Boston. Yeah, that- I wasn't going to go to the game because I'm not cool enough, but um, I was going to go and have beers and, you know... Hang out with the Lucho. maybe jump in the back. I'd
3: love to get a big coat (laughs) and just uh, sneak you in that way like uh, the Adams family.
2: Don't don't feel bad. I traded my tickets to the Tampa Bay Lightning game so I could go to the Blue Jackets game. Oh, Jesus. friends that were flying into town.
1: So, wait a minute. Did the Tampa Bay game actually happen?
2: That happened. That was, I think, the last home game. I was like, no, I'm all right. That was a good game, too. I was not all right. I was not okay.
1: Before we get uh, to our next topic, uh, I just want to throw out this uh, quick um, ad read, and it's an audio one from Celtics great Cedric
4: Maxwell talking about a fantastic product. We'll be right back. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss in this Awaken 180 My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105, and that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura Carmen and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken, receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1000 recipes and tools you'll need, tantric weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at Awaken180WeightLoss.com. All right, we are back. That was
1: uh, Cedric Maxwell. I'm dropping those in from now on. Going to help out this this company. Um, fantastic company, by the way, and they do awesome uh, exercise stuff and everything else. So hopefully you uh, you know check it out. And if you're staying in and quarantine, and why not work out? So. Uh, go to that website that Cedric mentioned and um, buy yourself a nice piece of equipment and help support the show. Um, <laughs> this is a funny one. And I'm, I'm not sure if if Luchador. Do you remember him? I know Chris Blackie will. Uh, but KHL news came out this morning, and I was scratching away at anything to talk about Bruins related. But KHL news this morning: old friend Alexander Kokelev was traded today per the KHL Twitter and Mark Diver of the Pro, former formerly of the Providence Journal now of the ringside Rhode Island dot com website. So believe it or not, he is twenty six years old and he's still Bruins property. <laughs> you got Lucha Joe, do you remember um, him?
2: Um was that the one who was complaining in Providence for a little bit that said he should have been a Bruin by now and this and that and he was a first round pick and he second. was mad he was still – oh, second-round pick, and he was mad he was still in Providence. Yep. I remember hearing about him complaining, but that's about it. So yep. good to see he's done so well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. he was not happy with his nine games in, in, in the NHL, and this was at a time when Claude Julian was uh, operating the, the bench for the Boston Bruins. And uh, in my honest opinion, just from somebody that watched, watched him – thoroughly uh with the Windsor spitfires in the ohl coming over to the providence bruins and watching all of his games in providence i mean ahl player point per game maybe even a little bit more nhl I time really- whoa what happened you didn't even you didn't even show anything to the to the to coach julian that you want we're gonna stay i just think that and I get the whole narrative of about um, Julian not wanting to play younger players too. I mean, that's a, that's a hot topic when the article dropped from our black and gold hockey.com writer, Pat Donnelly, he wrote that this morning after the news. Um, but he's still under protection from the Boston Bruins, even though he's playing in the KHL one more year, 27 years old, he's done. Um, do you, you guys happen to see any uh, – we'll start with Chris. Do you happen to see a return of Kokochev? And due to the cap restraints, do you think that he might be an asset or just somebody that we should stop talking about?
3: I'm actually somewhat convinced if Cassie was the coach when he was around, he would have fit in well with the Cassie's system. He'd he very well he, in Providence. Whether he would have made – exactly. Who was his coach at that time?
1: Bruce Cassidy.
3: There you go. <laughs> I wasn't being a smart ass. I'm just saying. No, that. I know.
1: No, you know, I know.
3: That's And I think maybe it was me and you had a conversation way back about Bruce Cassidy was familiar with the team going into it because a lot of the younger players, he coached in Providence. So um, I would take a shot at it. Why not? Bring him in for training camp. See what happens. Worst case scenario doesn't work out. So be it.
1: Luchador. Uh, I I don't
2: I don't care for him. I mean, what if I can remember right? Me, I, I have terrible timelines. But at the time when he was saying those things, he was the top scorer at least on the team, right? Yes. On uh, the Providence Bruins. All right, yep. I'm just trying to remember. Uh, well, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> <All>
0: <laughs> right,
2: so I don't care. I don't like your attitude. I don't care. So There's Luchador, let me let me
1: keep you. Let me keep you in Go the ahead. conversation, all right? Thoughts on Peter Solaric.
2: I like because, uh, because he said I the same thing. Him.
1: He said the same thing too. He wasn't happy with the way he was being used. Oh, young.
2: see, I didn't and know. And he got
1: that. 40 games. He got 40 games and he's he's uh um let me look real quick. On See, Catholic. I didn't know
2: that. I'm not, I don't think anybody is as in-depth into the Providence knowledge as you are. But, uh,
1: Peter Solaric right. is a restricted free agent after this current season, 24 years old, and he's already hinted around talking to Swedish Hockey League teams, which I think is probably a backup plan because if he doesn't get any NHL time, uh, he can go right to the uh, SHL. So – Solaric mentioned that um, he was waiting for no, – Solaric was waiting for Cassidy to notice him making a mistake and then sending him down to Providence. He was tired of going up and down 95, um, knowing that he wasn't going to be able to secure a roster.
2: Um, hold on one <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> So that's my house phone, and I get one call a month, and that was it. Talk about my one call a month. What a good time. Um, I wish I didn't know that. Some things are better left unknown because I like them. I think it's all about attitude, and I hate when someone – if you feel that way, just keep it between you and your agent or you and the team. Try to get it figured out because that, that statement just sucks for both teams for your AHL team that you're playing with now, you're saying that you're better than everybody you're playing with. And then you basic, I just don't like it. And then the same thing to the NHL team. You you want a fourth liners job. Just go about it quietly, earn your spot. It's the NHL. There's only so many spots.
1: Yeah. 1% One you know? percent of anybody makes the NHL. That's crazy. And,
2: and the fact that, uh, no one had any interest on Alex anyway. They, he could have been traded to a different NHL team. Draft
1: him. pick. Even a seventh rounder would have been Anything. sufficient. And no one's have, taken him, so... No.
3: Donnie has even put him on the trading block legitimately.
1: Well, Chris, I, I believe like I said, he's going to be he's, his rights are going to be done at 27, so... Don still has time to like move him. Maybe even at this draft that supposedly going to happen uh next month, early next month. Who knows? He might even garner something. I know with when, when looking at cap friendly again. Go to capfriendly.com, best place for the cap info. Um, You know they have. Uh, they won't get a fourth rounder for him. I mean, if if the seventh round spot was open, then I could see that probably possibly happen, but. I don't see a return at all.
3: I, I think we all know and the Bronze know that the uh Shilaric adventure is pretty much over here in Boston.
1: Yeah, when you say stuff like that, it's almost like you're you want to leave. And I always said that Sholaric might have a better opportunity with the 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 forecast in front of him and the and the and the bottleneck of these prospects that are uh knocking on the door of NHL rosters that he's going to have a better opportunity somewhere else. So I would have just kept my mouth shut like Luchador said and just like, you know, ride the wave, dude. If You know, I know you want to be an NHL, but don't be a jerk about it. This uh, this is kind of interesting that you guys might find uh, – I found it interesting anyway because I find Dominic Tiano a very, very uh, knowledgeable writer – And he watches the OHL really thoroughly, and he knows the prospects and so on. But listen to this. He tweeted this today. (laughs) This will get nothing but hate, but hey, never stopped me before. How I handle the NHL draft. One, cancel the 2020 draft. I mean, that's pretty easy. Two, players get rolled into 2021 draft. Three, raise draft to age 19. That's that's intriguing to me. That might be an article idea. Four, any twenty twenty picks traded become twenty twenty-one traded. So everything shifts over. Any uh uh what the compensation picks and so on. Five for twenty twenty-one only draft nine rounds. So you open it up two more rounds. That's that's an interesting little scenario there. I like the what Dom Dom said it in a couple of those things. What do you guys think?
3: It just sounds like it's a cluster to me still.
1: You think I it's gonna getting, bottleneck I, into I, next I, year?
3: I think so. I just keep getting hung up on the on the standards things. I, I like can't let it go for some reason.
1: Yeah that just makes like sense. It,
3: like, it's like it did me dirty and I'm
2: frustrated about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.
2: I, I I don't know how you're gonna do it. I don't care. I, I don't know how that – I don't think that's it.
1: My boy, Lucha Joe, just wants hockey back. That's all.
2: I just I just want hockey back. <laughs> I just I, – I don't want to force it. The NFL draft was different because their season was done. You know, they got lucky in that sense. Uh, I'm You know what? I'm taking up Chris's fight from here on out. I'm standing with his cause, you know. Uh, until we find out the standings, until they figure that out, no draft.
1: All right. All right, let's move on to another interesting topic. One of my other fail- – besides at Chris Blackie – I'm sorry. Besides on Twitter, at Chris underscore Blackie and at Bruins Lujudor, which is my two probably favorite Bruins uh, Twitters. See it pumping, pumping the tires.
3: <laughs> I, I, I can feel my feet get rising off the floor.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So according to cap space at Bruins cap space on Twitter, the Bruins have $18 million in cap space to work with uh, after the Halak signing. What do you guys think players should get moving forward? I have a little list here that I did and my Amesbury math is not so good, but I calculated it out to 17 million. So, which leaves probably like one million left over for uh, just you know a little buffer. but uh, if you want me to go through the list, I will tell you that I think Jake Debrosque should get three million. I think Anders Bjork should get two million. Zdeno Chara come in at two million again this season, or he he's, he's a nice guy and takes the veteran minimum at one million. Tori Krug, seven million flat. Matt Grizzlick, raised to three million dollars. That's 17 million altogether. I'm not even considering who the RFAs in Providence are right now. Um, the Zach Sennisians, the Solarics, all that. I'm not even considering. What I'm talking about right now is the NHL roster and what we look at, for and outs a, a landscape moving forward. What do you guys think about those numbers? Uh, is that too far fetched because the way that Halak took that deal for two point two five, that leaves a very friendly eighteen to, to work with. Chris, why don't you be do uh, first?
2: I, oh I, sorry.
1: <laughs> I,
3: I like the numbers right across the board. I, I've been saying with Krug for me to be comfortable six and a half to seven, someone's in that in that range. I don't think if he goes a little over Bergeron. I don't think Bergeron's really going to
1: care. Bergeron doesn't seem like he's that type of player. No, it's not exactly. a dollar value when it comes to that locker room. It's a family.
3: To me, the other than Krug, obviously, is your number one piece this off season. To me, the interesting person becomes DeBrusque at that point because I think DeBrusque has left money on the on the table this year. He's been a little bit inconsistent, like he always seems to be, but he's streaky. So it's hard to get a real gauge on Jake DeBrest. Everyone's going to go back to that draft. I'm kind of tired of talking about it. Personally, it is what it is. You know, people are going to keep clamping down because of the players that came after. But I, if I remember, I think the Bruins thought that they were going to. Move up in that draft, and I think yeah. they're gonna get caught up, caught off guard, and they just weren't ready.
1: I think Noah Hannafin was a target at that time,
3: right? But I like the numbers, I see nothing wrong with that. They're all feasible for sure. I mean, you're gonna lose a few people,
1: that's just the
2: nature of the piece. But overall, I'm in
1: nice. Lucha Joe, what do you think?
2: Those are great numbers. I hope that's what we get. Uh, there's been a lot of talk of uh, crew getting eight million dollars. Uh, he may be worth it, but he's not worth it here. If all the first lines make in six something, uh, I, you know I don't mind you make more than Bergeron, but eight million dollars Bergeron. Uh, what's Bergeron make right now? Six
1: seven, six five. Six seven so, past
2: is yeah. right over there. Six 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 right in that area. Yep. Um, hopefully, Chara signs a deal first and can put some pressure on him to uh, get a team-friendly deal done. Uh, the one I think going is probably DeBrusque because when he's uh when he's hot he's really hot uh you think you might be asking for four million we'll see because he is a second line guy um and with 20 goals last year 20 something goals in the regular he, season he's
3: he's basically at this point in his career he's a little over 20 a game he's in that neighborhood. Or not a game season. If you just getting 20 goals a game, I'm definitely a sign of the (laughs) head.
2: Yeah, okay. That's like (laughs) my
1: uh, NHL 20 game last night. I was scoring pretty good, but I had it on, like, the kid level.
2: There you go. (laughs) Have you seen the Nashville-Boston war I started online? Oh, my God.
1: Oh, that was awesome.
2: We got got the Preds fan base playing the Bruins fan base. Dude, I had such a
1: bun on last night watching that. I had the headphones on, and I'm, like, watching (laughs) the games, and all of a sudden I'm just like – I can't watch this anymore. I put the PlayStation on the big screen and started playing as I'm listening yeah. to, to those guys play. <laughs> it was oh, awesome. Yeah, I
2: watched it the night before I was having a blast. <laughs>
1: um, let's talk about I um, And we, we, we did talk about his number and what I kind of think that he'd come in that, or hopefully even a, a million dollars shy of that on a cap friendly deal uh, to extend his playing career here in Boston. But um do you think what he has, what it takes to go another year or two, even though that the, the cap per Elliott Friedman doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like it's going to go up and I'm, I'm very high on Elliott and what he says. I, I think that his, his words are gospel next to, um, you know, Darren Dreger and Jeff Merrick and all those guys. Um, he seems to think that this 85 81.5 could stay for like an extra two seasons after next year. Because of this, what happened in the pandemic, and how much of a a financial burden it really has put on this league and and each individual organization as as a business, so moving forward, i just don 't see the cap going up, and even hate to say it probably going down it, and that's that 's a tough thing to say for me but when you when you need to address, but you need to address that right wing that right wing side and in situations like this are not going to help that so this is when you need to like really look in- internal and try to find that right winger. And I don't see it in Zach Sennish and I'm a huge fan of Seni, but I don't see it coming through the system. Chris seems to be a revolving door on the
3: second line, right wing. I mean, we're going to have a podcast just about that. Like it lasts about three or four hours.
1: Couldn't yeah, Exactly. Know.
3: And it's frustrating for me being a Krejci fan. It's like, come on, give him someone, please, anybody. You know, it's – you would think by now it would have been addressed, the right-wing situation. It, It reminds me of the old Bruins days. Remember back in the day when there were always one player away? You know what years I'm talking about?
1: Oh yeah, I do. But th- that was also a generation where an owner just didn't want to pay anything. Oh,
3: for sure, for sure. You
1: know, I mean, it was just, it was. I mean, you came to Boston to be part of the original six and one of the oldest franchises in the. You know, that's like a notch in your belt. It wasn't. It wasn't to come here for championship thoughts. Though I mean, Jeremy owned this team since 1975, and he's he's only been responsible, in my opinion when the salary cap happened and then he knew that to win, you have to spend up to up to the ceiling to get anything mm-hmm. to happen. So, and, oh, that's another whole subject right there. Crest, we can go <laughs> on.
3: <laughs> yeah, for sure. But um, I, generally I like where the team's going. I mean, it's a, a place where you want to be based on the culture in the core. And um, going back to that recce interview, he I had asked him, I believe it was in the mirror, and one of us asked him, you know, you get the trade to Boston, what's your reaction? And he laid on the line what Boston meant to him. And he, that's coming from a player, so he's got more insight than I do on that situation.
1: And coming from Tampa Bay. Yeah. Which is definitely. no slouch. It's not like going from uh, Phoenix to, to Boston. It's like – you're going from one elite team to the next, which which ultimately had the the, the best playoff series. I mean, I oh tattoos, tattoo. I mean, I got, I got <laughs> this is my 2015 Stanley Cup. This is the first one that ever cup I've ever seen live. I was born in '75. I missed '72 by three years, so it was just unbelievable. And and for him to be a part of that, and for him to hear that on you, for him to be on your show talking about that experience, the locker room experience, which is just amazing. I mean, you guys just absolutely killed it on that program.
3: It, it was it was a fun time. It, it was one of those situations, and it, you know, being a podcaster, it flowed. Everything just flowed perfectly for
2: us. Yeah, I was going to say, there was very little pauses. He fit right in. No one was talking over each other. It,
3: it, it was a situation where, like I told Mark – prior to you jumping on with us me and Anna have been together now for just under 30 episodes. And that was the first time that we, uh, we planned anything. We had a, a pre-meeting that night to make sure we had everything in order, which is something we have never done. I've never done it on any podcast. I just let it flow because to me, I think it sounds better that way. You get You get raw emotions that way more so than just a structured conversation. But I noticed when we're doing the interview, we say we're in that structure, but you got a lot of questions that branched out. That's what you're hearing. So the structure is there, but we branched out quite a bit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. All right, so another topic, um, and this one, Paul, I, I wasn't born. I don't know if Blackie was born, and I pretty much know that Mr. Luchador wasn't born yet, but the NHL Network and the Boston Bruins are celebrating the 50th anniversary of the 1970 Stanley Cup Bruins team on March 10th, 2020, um, it which is a week away from today. They are going to show the games, I believe, and also the, the Bruins are going to be doing some kind of um, – Fun thing, that, which is obviously social separated, which sucks, but um, I do want to read a bit of the, um, the press uh, release. Um, Boston Bruins announced today, May 3rd, a series of uh, initiatives to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the 1970 Stanley Cup. Most of the Bruins' reoccurring content will be giving a 1970 theme along with additional new original content celebrating the historic team's accomplishment accumulating in the airing of the 1970 Big, Bad, and Bobby on NHL Network on Sunday, May 10th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Fans can also enter Special Bruins Fundraising Raffle uh, to win a -a one-of-a-kind Bobby or the Goal replica. It looks like a little trophy. It's all, I mean, yeah, isn't that badass?
3: Yeah. I'd love to have that in the cave
1: right here. But um, yeah, you can, the benefits organization is uh, for first responders and all that's going on right now, the Bruins, the NHL network and, and honoring the 1970 team are doing something really good to, to bring it back to the people that are really fighting on the front lines these days when everything is just scared to go out and do anything. Um, but you can go to the Boston Bruins website and uh, find out information on that. Go to the Twitter handle, more information on that, and the Facebook handle. Um, everything's going to be detailed, links to uh, donate, links to uh, get uh, tickets, uh, raffle tickets, and so on. It's just a really cool thing, and I'm looking forward to next Sunday. But um, even though that we weren't born in 1970, am I right? We weren't around, right? No, no. no I'm, I'm 87. I'm Luch. a couple. I'm You're a the couple youngest years. one here, Luch. I thought you were the oldest yeah. one. No,
3: no, <laughs> no. 86. You said? 87. Oh, 87. Oh, good grief. My youngest yeah. sister is uh, is your age.
1: Jesus. Yeah. I was 75. I'm. I'll admit it. I'm a 78. Ah, okay. So, see, I knew Chris. See, that's how we get along so well. So we know all the all the good stuff that happened way back. Wait, in the wait,
3: wait till I get the system and we take over with the Grey Beards team.
1: Oh, Jesus. We should do that. Everyone's Grey Beard podcast.
2: I have three gray hairs on my beard, I'll have you know.
1: Three. I lost count. I lost count at a thousand. Okay,
2: three.
3: My 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 hair's so gray. My uh, wife tells me to uh, dye it all the time. I tell her it weren't for you, I have my not natural hair color. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so you can imagine how that goes over when that happens.
1: Right. Yeah. Just yeah. So, Getting so well. That's funny. Um, another uh, topic to uh, to end my list of topics. I I know we got some uh, listen to questions. We got a few uh hashtag Aspie and g s we will go over but this was this was one that that um a lot of people started writing about shortly after the Bruins did their um zoom call when all of them got together from the two thousand eleven team to uh watch the game talk about their experience ten years later um but when timmy Thomas was showed up to that. And, and participated and seemed to have some fun. Looked like he was indulging in a little bit of wine, just like everybody else. I mean, Luch looked like he was shit-faced, you know, and not Luchador, Luch. Oh,
2: yeah, the, the original Luch. The
1: original Luch. <laughs> <laughs> but um, a lot of things after that, when he opened up and he, and he was talking, and he seemed to um, be in a better place than he was prior when the media kind of attacked him and, and made him out to be a, a bigger – you know, villain than anything else. But to come to find out later on, it was, it was just meant it was mental issues. Um, So do you guys think that Tim Thomas number 30 should be in the rafters and why?
3: Boy, that's a tough one.
1: Because uh, the reason why I'm asking, I'm getting two perspectives here. I'm getting luchador that was born in the eighties, mid eighties. And we're getting history from you and I, Chris, because we also know a number 30 that played and, and did a significant role in winning two Cups. Mm-hmm. So, Looch, the new guy, why don't you go first?
2: Um, it, it's hard because he pretty much stood on his head and, and won us some of those, a lot of those games, uh, a lot, especially the game sevens on that uh, Cup. Um, but it's, we're not the Celtics. The Celtics retire everybody. We have very few uh, numbers retired throughout our whole history, and we're one of the oldest teams. Um, and then that opens a floodgate. If you get Thomas, then you have to do Chara and Bergeron, and then maybe Marshall. I mean, well, two I'm of very, those are
3: given at this point.
2: I'm very, oh, se- hell yeah. I'm saying, I'm very selective. And I would have Bergeron and Chara, and Mike Thomas would be on the fence. Yeah, I mean,
3: with Chara and Bergeron, you could bet like a million you're going to walk away with probably, you know, 900000 because it's such a guarantee those two are going to be in. Absolutely. For me, I don't think I'm there for him with retiring his jersey. But I want the Bruins to do some type of a ceremony for him similar that they did with Rask and Halak make something up. I don't care, but it's time for in my estimation for Thomas to come home and let the fans show him how they appreciated what he did for the Bruins. That's where I'm at on that situation.
1: Yeah. I mean, he should be honored. I absolutely, I mean, the guy had a, a nice stretch at the end of his career. Um, you can make a case for anybody else, too, that had tough times at the beginning of their, of their NHL time by, and, and and flourish later on, especially goaltenders. Goaltenders are always ones that, that kind of peak later on in life. Uh, and fortunately, he peaked at the right time. I wasn't a huge fan of his. Uh, was, I, I, you know, being the, the last pick in, in such a draft by the Quebec Nordiques and not signing and not playing and go over Europe, I respected him for keep trying and keep grinding and so on. Uh, But when the Bruins made that that inkling that they were going to bring him and sign him, I was just like, wow. I mean, there's other goaltenders you should really be looking at. But kudos to the scouting back then. They saw something in him and, and the way he was playing over in a different league, bigger ice, everything's a little more wide open and so on. And he got a contract out of the deal, which is good. My point is with the whole thing with, you know, the, the Cheevers argument is I think Cheevers had a better career overall. Uh, different time. I get it. I get the whole narrative and so on. And he's got two Stanley Cups. Now, I understand that Stanley Cups and goaltenders don't necessarily automatically get you in because Rogie Vashon had to wait 30 years, 30 years since he retired to get his call to the hall. And he had three or four. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it's three. So that whole thing is different. But when we're talking about numbers in the rafters, make it make it a duel, in my opinion, and and honor them both. If you're gonna only do one, I wouldn't do it just for Timmy's heroic uh, 2011 cup run uh, at the end of his career. And then, I mean, it's just not enough time for me. And you know everything nowadays. When you talk about Stanley, I mean, I mean, uh, Hall of Fame and and retired numbers, it's all derived on numbers. And I didn't think that Thomas particularly played great, but then the team in front of him wasn't playing great either. So and that all came together when Peter Shirelli came on board. He started putting pieces together: the Chris Kellys, the this and that, and, and and the Hortons, and 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 finally, you know, in 2011, I I got to see my first cup. So.
3: It's funny seeing Thomas being such a late bloomer because I used to watch him play when he was in Vermont.
1: Yeah, I did too. I did too. uh,
3: I was a fixture down at the Whittemore and the Lively Snively for like 20 years. Nice. So I saw tons of college hockey games. Back then, I was really into it. This was way before Twitter, and I don't think we even had internet at that point, actually. (laughs) (laughs) But. uh, It's funny for me because uh, you know my uh, hatred towards uh, anything uh, humane hockey because they've tormented me over the years. So no one's happy that Jeremy Swayman is now officially with the Bruins, not with, with Maine. Nothing makes me happier than that. I'm the happiest person on the planet for that For that to happen.
1: So as soon as he left Maine, you were just like, I'm I'm all in on Swayman now.
3: Oh, yeah. Well, I always knew he was <laughs> good. I mean, I dreaded it. It's like I wanted him to do good, but at the same time, I kind of wanted him to get lit up. But not so bad that he uh, loses his confidence. It was a true double-edged sword watching to go down <laughs> every uh, weekend.
1: Oh, the NCAA Maine battles and, 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 and UNH, and, geez, those were always great. Um, more Alphon
3: Alphie Michelle I'll, I'll never forgive him. Never. Yep. yep.
1: And he's a, actually Alfie Michelle is the uh, uh, goaltending coach for UMaine right now, and he spent a lot of time with Jeremy, along with uh, Mike Dunham, former uh, yeah. uh, UMaine alum and or himself. They've spent tons of hours together, uh, bringing this kid up the right way, and it's and it shows because Maine didn't have a great. Uh, recruiting class for the, the last three or four seasons. And and Jeremy really put that team on his shoulders. he oh, yeah. worked really hard to get that Richter Award this year and um, ultimately, deservingly so, signed a three-year entry-level contract. So I'm pumped to see him in Providence. Um, here we go. Here's another thing which just pops up out of the air. With the, uh, the signing of Jaroslav uh, Halak earlier, what do you guys think about the potential loss of a current goaltender with the Providence Bruins, Max Legacy, who had, did play very, very well in this system, um, and I thought that he would have been the cheaper option if Halak signed for bigger money or wanted to test a free agent and got a job somewhere else. I thought that he'd be a great, great cap-friendly option to move up to the NHL. He does have 16 NHL games under his belt with the uh, Vegas Golden Knights, so, I thought if it was going to be uh, anything, you know, anything to do with, the, with the, the dollar value, he could have been a good asset. But, um, obviously, uh, Halak signing creates something different because now you want Swayman and Valdar to be your 1A, 1B. You don't want to carry three goaltenders in, in the uh, American Hockey League, especially uh, a veteran like uh, legacy So thoughts on potentially losing legacy And did you guys uh, happen to see any of his games this year?
3: I saw a couple of his games. He was, he was like really staying on his head for most of the games I did see him play. I like what, what he represents down there. He's got veteran presence for the younger people on that. And he's a good role model. He's a good role model for them to show players need to be shown from players who experience it already sometimes to be a professional, how to be a professional. And I think when you get someone like him down there, why not? I mean, it would suck to lose him. So hopefully uh, they can keep him around to get whoever they get back in there next year. Because uh, where do you think Swayman's going to end up? In Providence, right out right out of the gate? oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I think he's oh, yeah. So he's going to be, boom, you're
1: in the AHL, and this is where we're at. Yeah, did, um, just because the, what, what happened with, with Kyle Kaiser, Kyle Kaiser suffered his third concussion in two years. He had two last year with the Oshawa um, Generals before coming to Providence and got into some injury trouble, got a concussion, went down to Atlanta, didn't, I think he only played in one game. Possibly two games all year, and and just that was it. His his first minor pro year was pretty much a wash due to the head injuries. I kind of think that that's the the avenue that the Bruins are going to go with Kaiser is bring him back down to wherever air quotes wherever the East Coast Hockey League double A minor pro affiliate of the Boston Bruins is going to be next season because as. Many, many have heard me talk about on this show. This is the last season of their of their one year agreement. So either the the Boston Bruins go somewhere else for an agreement, re sign another agreement with the um, Atlanta Gladiators, or I've also heard Mark Diver is very, very good at anything prospect related, especially the Bruins. He's also mentioned on Twitter, and I've always kept them in the back of my head, the Bruins might. B have an option to not have a, an affiliate and what they'll do is they'll spread their prospects and if anybody knows any about the the east coast hockey league and the boston Bruins, they don't have legitimate prospects go down to providence they do because it's a, like a, a mindset like you go down there you play two or three games and you're done there's nobody down there on a repetitive basis uh-huh. So like like Vladar and Kaiser are your like big names the last two seasons. Pavel Shen was recently sent down, but he's he's spending his first year in the in North America minor pro. So it's it's like two or three that you get every two or three seasons. It's not like a full roster of prospects. It's very weird how they work, but more or less it is a filler system for the American Hockey League.
3: Interesting
1: yeah thoughts on watch, uh, any of that Luch?
2: oh sorry uh, no, go i ahead. did not i did not watch much of uh providence this year i promise you when we start back up i will be in that building doing my thing um wait the dunk word, huh yeah At the dunk yeah
1: oh my god i'm gonna have to meet up with you
2: We're gonna gonna have to
1: do a selfie together.
2: I've already done a Boston Pride game. You know, I'll go to Providence. I need to show Providence some.
3: You're gonna get a. You're gonna get a Providence Bruins uh, P symbol for the
2: side of your mask. Nice. Absolutely, I can do that. We have the (laughs) time. I know the people. There you go.
1: That's awesome. That is awesome.
2: Well, I I have no concern with losing the, the third Providence goalie. I think Halak's deal is cap friendly enough, and you need, uh, uh, I just I just love the way Halak pushes Rast, going back to that. He always does better with someone strong behind him. Rast had two of his best years the last two years that he's had in a while, in my opinion. I'm not a numbers guy. You never trust a guy in masks to do the numbers. <laughs>
3: Look, oh, you start talking about Tuca Rask being uh, any type of wreckage or anything like that. It's going to be a long day on Twitter.
2: That's why I said disclaimer. Listen, <laughs> Discl- consider the source. If it- <laughs> I'll
1: put a freaking disclaimer bar at the bottom.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm a luchador, all right? <laughs> I don't do numbers. <laughs> I do Jumbotron. Leave me the hell alone. No one bothers me on Twitter. I wonder why. People think I'm crazy. <laughs>
3: well,
1: you well, must I be mean, you're crazy enough you, to come on the Black and Go Hockey podcast.
3: When you see someone just walking around in a luchador mask, it kind of raises the level of like, what in the hell's going on over here? Oh, yeah.
1: How yeah. about a drunk one looking for a cab?
2: Running.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I've seen a dude years ago get a, get arrested for. You're not going to believe this. He was riding a unicycle. Taint. and he got pulled over by the cops and arrested for it
1: oh jesus no i believe it if it's in boston i believe it
3: no this is up in the sticks up here in new hampshire
1: oh, oh. all right i would have believed it if you said a tri-axle tractor drawing deer or something like that
3: <laughs> yeah a lot of cornfields to get to
1: right hey you get your best alcohol out of corn all right Let's get to some um, hashtag ask BNG questions. This is from the Power Play podcast at the Power Play pod. Highly suggest these guys. These guys are funny. Two goaltenders. They're nuts too. Um, thoughts on potential playoff matchups for the Bees. Uh, looks like the season might get started up again within the next month or so. Who do you want to see the Bees face?
2: Who? <laughs>
1: Who do you hope they avoid in the first round? This is a tough one because there's no set, there's no set schedule or, or, or set standings right now. We're all like pretty much locked at the average of 68 games in the National Hockey League. So this is such a tough one to answer. Um, and with the rest, with all the, the, the month and a half that we're going through on this quarantine crap, I don't know. I don't know. That's that's a very high question. Do you guys have any answers at all?
2: Toronto. Oh. Toronto, Toronto, Toronto. You want to go I three for again. three for Toronto? Yeah. Yep. They spent too much money on the first line. I'll run our second, third, and fourth lines against them all day. Any day.
1: Yeah, they certainly didn't address the defense.
2: No. It's all Austin Matthews' mustache's fault. They're going down <laughs> oh, again. I'm not afraid of them.
1: The porn stash.
2: And if we can end up facing Vancouver again, I'll take that. Because for some reason, ever since oh, it's because the game was on Nesson. All I've heard is Vancouver fans chirping like that was <laughs> eight years ago. Get over it. I'm not even that mad that mad about last year. Get over it.
0: Oh, I'm, we didn't.
1: So, we I'm didn't. so
2: salty about last year.
1: I am too. I am too. But I, you know what? We didn't burn too, our city but down either. I'm not
2: attacking either. blues fans. Yeah. <laughs> when a blues fan uh, chirps me with a marchand crying pick, I just cry slowly with marchand. Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's funny. Oh boy. Chris, what are your thoughts on that?
3: I don't think anyone knows what type of play we're going to have when they return. No one knows the level of where they're going to be at. Yeah, they may not hit. Mid even midseason form until deep in the playoffs at this point it's really shaky ground as far as who they play I really don't care because uh, that just coming the hockey's back and that's a win for everybody
1: exactly
3: but if there's a team I want in the finals it's the Blues I want I want the rematch
1: repeat huh
3: I I want them I you gotta have it. you gotta avenge that game seven.
1: Brings me back to the Pittsburgh-Detroit series back in the day when yeah. one won it and the next one came back and won it again. Uh, oh, I yeah. won it, you know. All right.
3: I'm so frustrated about the cup loss against the Blackhawks.
2: Oh,
1: 13?
2: That actually, wasn't as bad for me because the Blackhawks were a wagon. They were an absolute tank. They
3: were, yeah. they were definitely a good team, but I still think if Horton doesn't get hurt, the Bruins possibly win that cup.
2: And it
1: took That's, a
3: double deflection and triple overtime in game one. I know. Yeah, that ever, I, uh, was. I don't know how Bergeron was playing with uh, those brass boulders on the ice.
1: Yeah, uh, that was the year he had a punctured lung, a broken rib, and a groin issue. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and he's still a, a Sulky Award uh, nominee every year. Unbelievable
3: hockey player. That's why it, it's called the uh, the Holy Girl for a reason, people. You exactly. know. That. Listen to Mark Shell, but for those <laughs> who don't know, that's why they call it the Holy Grail.
1: Absolutely, They're
3: willing to die for it.
1: The next hashtag Ask BNG. This is a kind of a long one. This is from new um, returning writer Mikey D at B and B Black and Gold on Twitter. Number one, does Chara retire? Number two, when does when he does? Who fills in his spot? Who would you see? Oh, Jesus. <laughs> BU, I don't get that. See, I think Boston University. Um, partners, McAvoy. Oh, oh, do you see BU partners McAvoy and Grizzlick reunited? Uh, do you think that that's a possibility? Will they keep Grizz or trade him? Should they look at drafting a goalie uh, with the high pick in this year's draft? Ooh, I'm going to take the last one because – I don't know anything about anything I just read earlier. Hopefully, you guys understand it, but I got the goalie one. you guys think Shaw should retire, or, or how long does he play for?
2: One more year. Uh, I'll take one more year, not two. I think he's still got it for one. And uh, the last time me and you sat and talked, uh, I like I, – people call me crazy, but I love uh, Carlo and McAvoy together. Big
3: fan. Interesting.
2: Hmm. Carlo and McAvoy, huh? Yep. You figure the rest out. I'm not a scientist.
1: I would think that (laughs) if you put McAvoy and Carlo together, you're almost emulating what Carlo did with Chara's guidance throughout his thing. So you got another big guy, stay at home, shutdown type of player, but with also a smaller, rugged defenseman that has the ability to, 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 Get out of the zone quickly and make things happen. So it kind of makes sense.
2: I think you, Carlo was really impressive this year. He was. Uh, it was between him and Coyle for my seventh player award. If that ever happens. Oh, I was going with Carlo on that one. But uh,
3: would you move Carlo away from Krug when Chara goes? You're going down that path. Oof! Oh, that's a tough. I one.
2: was thinking. If you're talking to me, I was thinking you put, not when Chara goes, but for Chara's last year, you put him with Krug. That way he can get a little bit of a rest on minutes, and you have uh, McEvoy and Carlo on the first line.
0: Oof.
2: I like Man, it. I, 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 oh, boy, that's tough. Ch- Chara's slow. Chara's the slowest D-man, and Krug's the fastest. <laughs> it's an all right. couple, well, I know. To, to,
3: well, to me, the reason I think Krug and Carlo work so well is because Carlo can Cover up the mistakes from Krug because he's always on the move, offensively minded. They blend; they're like yin and yang on the ice. So I think if you're going to put Chara with Krug, some of those defensive liabilities
2: could pop up. But you don't think as, his size would make up for it, and just tell him to sit uh, his ass in I place mean, and don't go anywhere. <laughs> I
3: still expect Chara; he's, he still can do what he does, but he's definitely slowed.
1: He's so, still got that reach. That reach is, is such a huge benefit. It really is.
3: The, he's playing with the tree, so. Yeah, yeah. You go
1: around skating on a 200 by 85 foot sheet of ice with a friggin' telephone pole in your hand.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I, I don't know. As far as Char retiring, I wouldn't bet against against him not playing ever. He's just going to kind of retire when he feels like it, I think.
1: I like it. Uh to finish up uh Mikey D's question, uh should they look at drafting a goalie with a high pick in this year's draft? Well, the high pick, they don't have a first round pick at all and and and, and the way that history treats this Boston Bruins team, I would not drop uh a, a high pick on on a, a goaltender. It seemed to really have a bad taste in their mouth with Malcolm Subban who was selected in the in the first round and it never really panned out. Um, but there are different situations now that Malcolm Subban is not in the si- system. We do have Mike Dunham that's allowing uh, Bob Ascenza to work uh, close together. Uh, there's not one goaltending coach now. There's, there's two and the send and I'm sorry, Mike Dunham tends to fly around North America and the world to get to these guys and show them how to be a pro teach him how to eat to be a pro and teach him how to act to be a pro and not only that train to be a pro. So, um, the way that the goaltending is trained these days, I have a better feeling than I, that I did when Subban was selected in the first round and his development going through, because there wasn't really that guy around all the time. Uh, Senza was not making, he would make the trips down to Providence in 95, but you, you, there was no goalie coach. So there's nobody like to, to, you know, jump on your back and learn from and, and guidance and so on. So I think that they have that now that you might get away with it, but I still wouldn't do it. I I, I think you grab Swayman at the fourth round, you grab Vladar at the third round and Vladar was the second best ranked North, uh, European goaltender in 2015 and they got him in the third. I think that that paid dividends, even though the guy has not played in the NHL yet to still have somebody like that in your system and you're working on them. It's just a, it's just a project in the making and I love it. So hopefully we answered your question there. Mikey D the chess salad King, Mr. Seltzer himself, Chris Mancuso. You can follow him at C Mancuso 9797. What do you make of the Halak deal? I know we already talked about it and so on. I think it's a good deal, Chris. I think it's uh it, it, these guys that I'm having on, Luchador and Chris Blackie, have both mentioned that it does give Tukarask a better opportunity to be his best as an aging goaltender. You get that 1A, 1B type of um, uh, tandem going on, and it, and it has been doing very good. Uh, we've talked about in the past that the, um, the goaltending having a starter and starting 68, 72, 76 games – is not realistic anymore. So um, we don't, we, it just seems like the backup goaltender is not going to the Svedbergs, the lack uh, the Blaine lockers and, and all these goaltenders of the past that had high potential and, and just like flat, flat when they, when they first got to the NHL, I think everything's different now. So um, I think it's good. We'll see what happens. I mean, th- this is like the best tandem in my opinion. And I appreciate them. Chris, and what do you think?
3: That's a name drop from the past. Playing the Lackness Monster.
1: The Lackness Monster from uh, was that Superior State? Superior, Superior State.
3: State, yeah. Yep, yep. Wow, I haven't heard that name in quite some time.
1: Oh yeah, big, big. I mean, you gotta watch out. I mean, even even Zane McIntyre was one goaltender that came out of North Dakota State that was supposedly being the you know the next high profile goaltender out of the NCAA and flat.
3: It's funny how that works out because years ago there was a goalie. Yeah, Ann would love this. You and Ann being the goalie. Uh,
1: goalie Union, baby.
3: Goalie Union. <laughs> there was a n- University of New Hampshire goalie named Jeff Levy years ago. Ooh. Who was Ooh. supposed to. He was like All American. He was the next person. Never heard from him ever in the, in the pros.
1: Yeah. I do remember him playing for UNH.
3: That's like 90. Well,. Early, very early 90s, probably in that range. Yep. Goalies are a creature of habit, as you know.
1: Yeah, you we're nuts.
3: I can tell. But for me, I think you already have the Bruins uh, goalie of the future already in, in the system. So I'd rather see them focus on some something else that they need, like a right winger.
1: Exactly. I do believe that they do need another goalie in the mix, and I would like to see them take a college kid, young age, um, to get him three or four years of NCAA development and get him involved. I'm, I'm, you always want to have a backup plan and I'm not a GM. I never have been, and I don't claim to be, or know anything about it. But when you're dealing with concussions, you always want to, uh, you know, when things are in order, when your ducks are in a row, like the duck boats of 2011, roaming the streets of Boston. You're all in a line. But if one of them knocks out, then something's going to happen. And I just – wor- I, uh, I hate saying this because I know he's going to overcome it. I have a really good feeling. But if he doesn't, you want to have something on the back burner. Is the concussion issues with Kaiser. Um, hopefully he can come back and, and just recover from this and move on his professional career. But if it doesn't happen, I'd like to see somebody else in the mix and and, um, just to be there, you know. So, And I'm a goalie guy, so obviously. But I won't take him in the first round. I won't even take him in the second round.
3: So you appreciated the play of John Blue back in the
1: day, right? Oh, my God. Oh, my. Jesus. Hang on a minute, Chris.
3: Yeah.
2: And he's out of here. Summons up. <laughs> you all right? Oh. <laughs> oh my god. Can you see that?
1: That's a John Blue oh, no autograph way. puck. No way. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was given to me. That I was have... from a friend of I... mine at the Johnny D's <sighs> Deli in Amesbury, Massachusetts back in uh, I want to say I was probably 22 i wanted
3: going to to make a mental note now for the next time when I come on, not to bring up uh, all <laughs> the place because you just might sign some – bring out some signed apparel or something.
1: Oh, yeah. I look <laughs> over at this wall right here. I got a ton of stuff that's signed. If you
3: If you pull out something from like Rod Langway or someone like a, in that level, like an ally of Frady.
1: No, nah, I'm a goalie guy.
3: Oh, yeah, that's true. Go I'm a goalie there.
1: guy. So I have Gilles Robert. I have okay. um, Tiny Thompson. Yeah. Uh, no, no, not signed. I'm sorry. Frank Brismick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I do have a Tiny Thompson freaking uh, picture, but it's not signed. Um, I I have Johnny Busick. Uh, Vern Flannon. He was a, a, a player rep for the uh, union back in the day when um, when the league was trying to screw these players over and, and Cody Howe ended up getting a nice payday before he passed away. But uh yeah, I got all that crap. I, I,
3: I like your your happy birthday uh, alumni uh articles you put out.
1: Yep. We do we do we try to do our best to get one out every day. I'm I'm gonna try to get one for John Carter today. So Oh we'll no see what, kidding. Yeah, yeah, John Carter's birthday is today.
3: We we better this could get very long. Uh <laughs> we keep talking about some of those old guys. I'm waiting <laughs> I'm waiting though for the article for a special K when his birthday comes through. Dmitry Kravaltanov.
1: Oh, Dmitry Kravaltanov, yeah. huh? I thought he you were would, talking about Dmitry uh, Khrushchev. Khrushchev was a good player back in the he day. He was. A good capital player. What
3: you you said? You guys going to freaking talk to me? <laughs> I,
2: uh, I only have uh, a couple of obscure old player references. Not that they're <laughs> obscure, but uh, I actually live down the street from Jay Miller.
4: No oh, way. Legit. All the time. Legit yep. tough,
2: dude. I, I also he, have a
3: meltdown on... Uh, the big, I probably guessed with Ann two episodes ago when we did the uh rundown of the list that Hags did for the fighters. Yes, you know, I saw Jay that. Miller had to be on there. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who was tough as nails? That he, dude had, he had, he had just an giant
2: chin, he would just trade off. He wouldn't play any defense, just you punch me, I punch you, yeah, and <laughs> see so you can take more of them. It's enough. funny because. My buddy doesn't know hockey, and we were at his bar, and my buddy was drunk, and Jay's like, hey, calm down. And my buddy goes, who is this old man? So I, had to pull up, I had to pull up YouTube real quick, and I'm like, this is who the fuck this old man is. Don't say anything. Like, relax. I'm like, oh, sorry, Mr. Miller. He's like, everything's fine.
3: his oh, yes. fights with John Kordick back in the day were just ridiculous. Were insane. Jesus
1: I
2: think ridiculous. it was twice or three times in one game one time.
1: Now, back in the day, it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for him, Lyndon Byers, Cam Neely, at the same time, and maybe yeah, Paul, a two or same other three players to be in that lineup and just just rat, run over people. They, oh, that, yeah. that team was such a wagon when it comes to, like, physicality, you know. Absolutely. Yeah,
2: I think he's fought more Canadians than anyone else to this day.
1: Probably. <laughs> I wouldn't doubt it being the freaking biggest rival in, in history.
2: Well, the other
3: fighter I liked a lot was uh Stan Jonathan
1: yes, absolutely
3: one of my favorites
1: he's, a, he's another
3: guy that I wouldn't want to get hit with a right hand from
1: no no even p j stock was one that could could i mean he could rabbit punch for a little guy he could he could stay in there with some bigger players oh, it' was yeah. crazy
2: yeah. I'm a big fan of Wind because of his hair, and he yep. couldn't skate well, so much like myself. You can't <laughs> see my hair, but I have awful hair as well, and I can't skate for shit.
1: <laughs> but I bet you can intimidate a bench, though.
2: Yeah, no, I, uh, my skating days are over when I hurt my leg, and my weight doesn't help, so. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, gravity. Gravity takes everything all, all out of whack.
2: <laughs> I actually tried skating once after I uh, healed my leg up. I was on a pond. I was cruising. I turned back. I was like, look at me. I hit an ice fishing hole. Oh. Yep. Oh. Right in the ice fishing hole. Went down on my stomach. Yep. Oh, dude. Yeah. I, re, I re-retired after one day.
1: Oh, that's rough. <laughs> that is rough. All right, boys. Listen, why don't we end that right there? We got about an hour and a half of, of, of really good content. Um wow. I I yeah, I know that went by fast. I, I want to thank Chris Blackie. He is the uh co-host of the Big Bad Bruins podcast. You can find him on Twitter at Chris underscore Blackie. Also Bruins Luchador, he is the uh T D garden Jumbotron whore. I love calling you that. You that's okay.
2: <laughs> I don't have a podcast, just uh follow me. I'm a brilliant idiot. <laughs>
1: You can follow him on Twitter at Berwins Luchador. Uh, thank you so much, guys. It's been a real honor to have you guys back on again, keeping the content going, keeping the hockey talk going as much as we can. Um, and hopefully, the listeners enjoyed this one. This is a really good, really good, um, good discussion back and forth. Whole lot of nonsense. Still love it, though. But um, thank you, everybody, for listening, tuning in, sharing everything. The Patreon members, you guys have been fantastic throughout this whole ordeal. Um, and we will have these two these two knuckleheads back on because I I, I really enjoyed this this uh, this podcast and, and, and the ones previous but it's awesome to have them both on at the same time missed out on Mister Ian Glunden. Uh, he's, uh, he's 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 Mister I want to call him Busy Busy now he, his new hey, nickname he, is Busy Busy he's
2: at home that's, eating his oatmeal what he is what he's
1: doing. Oatmeal. That's what you get, awesome. Ian.
2: When you don't show up, a dumbass in a mask takes your spot. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> for you now. I'm the official <laughs> voice of Ian. See you later. Awesome. <laughs> a blast. Uh, Thanks, guys.
1: All right. For the Chris Blackie, host of the Big Bad Bruins Podcast and the Bruins luchador, the T D Garden and Jumbo John Ho I'm Mark Allred, and this is the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you, YouTube members. We really appreciate your your uh your subscriptions, your likes, and so on, and we will talk to you later. See you next week, guys.
0: Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family, and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms, such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins Talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldhockey. Peace out.